All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Shabbat Lounge. This is Matt. And Jake here. And we have a special guest uh, who is no stranger to us, but uh, we want to uh, let you know we've got Joshua Myers back on uh, with us. And uh, Joshua, how's it going? Hey, how's it going, everybody? Thanks for having me again. This is great. Good, good. Well, we're glad that you could be here. And uh, we've talked after our initial interview and we said, let's go back through and spend a little more, more time on the law before the law series. And let's talk about that because it does seem like a lot of people um, have some fundamental flaws in, in their understanding of some of these, the, the law and when it started. And, and, and so many people, I don't know about you, Joshua and Jake, but I've had many people uh, in the last month or so say things like, uh, you know, you're under Moses. You're under Moses as well. Have you heard people say that? I have, um, yeah. and it, it reminds me of, of you know some of Yeshua's words, where you know he's like, you know, it's not not me that accuses you; it's Moses. And it's like, I mean, he even says that you know Moses has the the ability to accuse us. So I mean, saying that we're under Moses as well isn't a bad thing, as, as some people try to portray it as. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But I, yeah, but I also feel like it's one of those deals where it's. Um, I think Moses would be like, "Wait a minute, you said you said it's my law. Actually, it's yeah. uh, Yahweh's law. So don't 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 say it's mine." I think <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I definitely think that. yeah, I think Moses and Paul. I, I think they could sit down both and have an interesting conversation about. You know, this is what people say about me. This is what people have said about me. So <laughs> so one day I would like to sit down with them and have that discussion, see what they say. Yeah, that'd be so, interesting. So anyway, we find ourselves uh, t- talking about, we want to kind of tell you a few things about Joshua here. And um, so he's got a website. And Joshua, what's the website? So this is this is kind of the hub of everything I do. Is uh, It's beacons.ai slash J-N-M-Y-E-R-S. It's, a, um, it's a, like a link tree type site. And uh, so it has everything that I'm, I'm a part of. It, it goes to... Um, you know, the comics I do, some t-shirts I design, and some other um, things that I've just been a part of. Okay. So so it's pretty easy to find him there. He's on. He's got a presence on TikTok, and yeah. uh, you can see some things he's done there. And uh, so what is this one here that I'm looking at? That's part of your kind of like that's a link the beacons, That's the beacon still, yeah. So that's, that's kind of what it looks like for the... So I always put my uh, the latest comic on there, so that if uh, you just want a glimpse at what it is, you can you can see it there, and then click click on the top link to go and see the full thing and read the commentary if there is any. Okay, good deal. And then this is your Instagram. You've got a presence mm-hmm. there as well that you. Yep. Uh, and and so he of course any of this please follow him. Give if you not if you're already not doing that, he would appreciate that. And then he's got a Facebook presence as well, and it's mm-hmm. got more links and to to everything that he does there. And he's got books, so I um, do. And he's got a new book that just and came I, out today. Just came out today. Yeah, I just got my first shipment of them in in the from from in the mail today. And so yeah, I have a new one. It's called "I Cannot Keep the Law Except the Knot Is Scratched Out." Oh, nice. And it's um, it's a. Uh, it's really my first book, even though it's my third, uh, but it was the first one I wrote, and it was kind of my journey of going through all the arguments against a um, follower of Christ keeping the law. 
and comparing it to the Bible and just breaking it down. And so it's a walk through that. And because it is, you know, straight and narrow, it does have a ton of comics related to all those uh, different bits as you go through it as well. Okay, good. All right, that's awesome. So, so um, that's in, that's in a comic form, also. Then you're saying? Uh, it, it's it's kind of a mix. It's a it's a book, but it also has comics in the in there as well. Oh, okay. If, uh, if you look through, um, been able to look through my Church versus Bible one, it's similar but slightly different. The Church versus Bible was kind of putting a comic and then putting commentary underneath it, kind of similar how I make my posts now. This one's more of a you're reading through it and then. There's a, maybe a comment to the side or a comment to intro a chapter or, you know, something of that nature. So, Joshua, tell us, where can we find your brand new book um, if we want to buy it? Right. So, uh, if you can go to my Beacons uh, AI link, I'll have the links there. But if you want to look for me on Amazon, I do have an Amazon page, uh, author page of Joshua Myers. Uh, but like I said, the book is called I Cannot Keep the Law. So, if you do I Cannot Keep the Law, Joshua Myers, it should pop up. Okay. All right. So great. So um, we've got uh, the website there that you can look at. And so if you're just listening to this on audio, there is a visual that goes with this on YouTube. So and we'll get get right into it. Um, so Joshua, we, we've taken uh, you, you, you shared your comics with us and uh, we are definitely a fan. And uh, this first one is talking about Cain and Abel. And so you know, uh, from my own uh, background, uh, this is something that perplexed me, especially as I, as I began to study a little bit more. And I can remember at least having one conversation in my life with an atheist who even brought this up. And they're like, how can the God you believe in go so crazy on these guys? And there were no instructions on how to do a sacrifice. And, and you know, and, they, and I didn't have an answer for him. So, um, yeah. so, so this... We're, yeah, we're not really prepped with an answer for that kind of a question either uh in in church learning i mean there, it, that one doesn't really come up agreed and it comes and, and you know from the standpoint of not believing the law happened until mount sinai you run into that you have you have that gap but if we uh, are we going to go ahead and read it yeah yeah we'll go through uh, the scriptures and uh the first one we have pulled up here is genesis 4 3 through 7 yeah, and so um, starting starting in three, um, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the gar- the ground an offering unto the Lord. So the the important thing here that, um, and whenever we go to the the actual law point, is notice it just says brought of the fruit of the ground. It doesn't say anything about it, just that he brought fruit of the ground. So this is he just went and got some. Could have been last year's, could have been, you know, whatever. He just brought some fruit. Um, then verse 4, And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. On Abel, it says, he brought the firstlings, the firstborn. So he brought the first, he brought the best, which is whenever we look into the law is what God requires. He requires that first, the first fruit, the best of what you have, whether it be of the flock or of the ground. Yeah, exactly. So, but, you know, if you, 
if you you know if you don't it helps understanding that the law existed and, and you know we have to know that uh, Adam was uh, super intelligent you know for, first off he had the ability to name all the animals and remember them and I'm like I can't even remember a phone number <laughs> and uh, so his intelligence had to be just incredible and he walked and talked with God in the garden and uh, yeah he knew he knew lots of stuff and you know we just we can't even begin to understand probably how, how many things he knew and and uh, and, and, you know, and what uh, they talked about yeah, yeah yeah you have to know that he talked to him about all these kinds of things and yeah. Uh, so and yeah I was just gonna say and this is you know right after the fall they ate of the knowledge of you know the tree of the knowledge of good and evil yeah the it gave them knowledge I mean, yeah. it's, that's why it's calling it that so I mean to, to think that we know more than Adam did is kind of laughable Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the reason that that gains so much uh, of a, a foothold, if you will, is because of the evolutionary model that's taught mm -hmm. in schools. And, you know, it goes against it's counter that narrative to say that that this um, what would you call ancient man, caveman, Neanderthal. Kind of Neanderthal. Yeah, that's not very smart. <laughs> and we're, we've evolved. And actually, the three of us and, and many others out there know that actually i think we're a lot more stupid than, you know <laughs> it, it, it's it's not trending in the right way for humankind right <laughs> oh I, agree. I, I even see it in myself i mean i was i was a smart kid growing up i, I could remember things and, and do things now now that we have the internet at our hands i don't i don't remember things as much often anymore because i don't have to yeah. and look it up and and i've had people tell me well that's how we're smarter it's like no that's not <laughs> making us smarter that's actually making us dumber right yeah, yeah. Think about navigation. You know, I can I can remember back in the day when I had a job and I had a Mapsco that I kept in the front seat of my car, and I figured out where I was going. Uh, you know, analog, and that's because I'm old. But um, you know, I didn't have a GPS until now. I just press the button and it tells me where to go. <laughs> yep. So anyway. Yeah, I think too in this verse four, um, until you really know. Uh, and kind of have the the mindset of the law. This the things like the firstling of the flock doesn't really jump out at you, or the fat thereof, mm -hmm. and how important that yeah. is. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, and studying the Torah, you start to understand that. Yeah. Yeah, you see that, and and bringing up the fat thereof as well. I don't know that the. Uh, Verses I pull that I have associated with it talk about the fat, um, but yeah, that is a good point too because there are verses that it talks about the fat is God's; it's not ours. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's good. And then we also have Exodus thirteen eleven through twelve. Jake, will you read this one? When Yahweh brings you to the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you, as He swore to you and your ancestors. Sacrifice every firstborn male offspring to Yahweh. The firstborn male offspring of each of your animals belongs to Yahweh. Yep. And yeah, that's that's the command. So that's what Abel brought. He brought the firstborn. It doesn't tell us it was a male, but it does say he brought the firstborn. Yeah. And if yeah. we're if we're to let the Bible interpret the Bible, while it doesn't say male, and God accepted it, it was it was a male. Yeah. You know. Yeah, and 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 we can assume that it's clean as right. well. So, because I exactly. I remember that having too. some conversation with somebody about that, and and uh, it it was just interesting how 
they that they couldn't they, they couldn't understand that concept. But I was like, it it had to be clean. It, it, there's no way that he sacrificed a pig and it was okay. It just it, it right. didn't work that way. Right. And I th- I like the yeah. way that you did the the comic too because he doesn't. You don't get a lot of condemnation from Yah to Cain. It's uh, it's correction he gets. Exactly. And that goes to a point we were going to bring up. We see an opportunity for another piece, another scripture reference. Yeah. So, and that is the idea of the um, the cities of refuge, which we just recently read in the Torah portion, um, because because Cain clearly has this city of refuge that he could go, and he's not immediately uh, given capital punishment, and and so it makes me think that. Well, Jake, go ahead and say what you were going to say. I know you are going to say something there. Yeah, so, so what we've kind of bantered around at our, uh, when we do study on this topic is that perhaps, and we'd like to get your thoughts on it, uh, mm-hmm. um, and maybe uh, we'd like to see a, a comic on it. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, so the punishment for murder is death. Whereas the punishment for manslaughter is to be uh, uh, sent to the city of refuge so you're not killed by the, the avenger of blood, right? Right. Um, so to us, this kind of seems like a manslaughter situation where when Cain sla- sl- uh, slew Abel, right? Because of the punishment that's given out. Yeah. And no, I, I don't know if you've thought point. on that at all and I, I could ex- kind of explain where we're coming from a little bit more if you'd like no yeah please do because I haven't thought of that and that's, that is a good point okay so one of the thoughts was though they do know of death because they're obviously offering an animal here but mm-hmm. we don't have any record of any person dying at this point up to right. this point so it almost and when uh, when Cain is angry Yahweh doesn't tell him he's sinning in his anger. It's you're allowing sin to crouch at your door because of your anger. And in that, he takes his anger and in a fit of rage, he didn't sit by the wayside and plan his, to kill his brother. In a fit of rage, he, he kills him. And based on the punishment, it sounds like more he didn't intend to kill him or he didn't realize he would kill him, that kind of thing. Yeah, I can see that. I can I can definitely see that with what the text says. That's, that's an interesting point. And then with the city of refuge thing, because he is given a mark so that he can't be avenged. Right. Um. By by the avenger of blood. So yeah, no, that's that's a really good. I haven't thought of that. I'll have to study that out. And if I do, yeah, I was gonna say I'll have to I have to borrow that and then make a comic out of that too, because that's a, that's a good one. Well, it's yours. It's Free gifts. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> All right. So we did kind of rabbit trail there, but. Exodus 23:19 continues, You must bring the best of the first produce harvested from your soil to the house of Yahweh your Elohim. Never cook a young goat in its mother's milk. But the last part of that we know is not necessarily applicable to this. But, but definitely you see that, um, that, uh, that Abel, uh, um, that, that he... Um, that Cain is supposed to be bringing the best of his first yeah, produce. Yeah, and... and, yeah. and and he does not do that. So then Exodus thirty four nineteen. 
Every first male offspring is mine, even the firstborn male males of all your livestock, whether cattle, sheep, or goats. Yeah. So. And that's just another showing what Abel did, showing another one that reaffirming that he was bringing the first. And Exodus thirty four twenty six, you must bring the first and best of the produce harvested from your soil to the house of Yahweh your Elohim. Never cook a young goat in its mother's milk. Yep. And again, showing what what Cain did not do. So just giving our two witnesses there. Yeah. That we have in scripture. And then Numbers eighteen fifteen. Every firstborn male, human or animal, that is brought to Yahweh is yours, but you must buy back every firstborn son and the firstborn male of any unclean animal. So once again, confirmation that uh, they were doing all these things before the law was officially written down. Yep. Didn't yep. mean it didn't exist. All yep. right, we'll move on to the next one is with Noah. And so, you know, Noah, if you, so if we went and did a man on the street... Uh, and said, how many animals did Noah take on the ark? Everyone is going to say what? Two by two. Two by two, that's right. And we yep. know... Might even sing the song for it. That's right. right, that's right. They leave out the seven pairs thing, so we're going to take a look at that. So, you know, but th this is another one that I did think about from at a young age and go, how did Noah know what was clean and unclean? And, and I'm sure other people have asked this question, well, um, that mean, it's because that there was law before the law. Hence, hence that's why we're here. So someone read uh, Genesis 6.19 here. Go ahead, Joshua. Okay. Bring two of every living creature into the ship in order to keep them alive with you. There must be male and female, two of every type of bird, every type of domestic animal, and every type of creature that crawls on the ground will come to you to be kept alive. Take of every kind of food that can be eaten and store it. It will be food for you and the animals. Noah did this. He did everything that Elohim had commanded him. Yahweh said to Noah, Go into the ship with your whole family because I have seen that you are alone, are righteous among the people, of, the people of today. Take with you seven pairs of every kind of clean animal, a male and a female of each, and one pair of every kind of unclean animal, a male and a female. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird, a male and a female of each, to preserve animal life all over the earth after the flood. There you go. Pretty straightforward. Yep. Pretty straightforward, yep. yep. And I'd, and I'd change translations on this, but sorry about that. <laughs> That's fine. But, uh, yeah, so here, like you like you're talking about, how to know and know what, um, you know, what animals were clean and unclean. And it goes back to... Uh, something that I believe you you had mentioned in a TikTok comment um, that we were we were discussing this um, before here is that some things were created for a purpose. You know, we we as humans we create things for purposes all the time. We have vehicles. I you know I have a car in the garage. I won't go use my car to try to cook supper tonight. That's that's not its purpose. God did the same thing. He created animals with purposes. Some of them their purpose is food. Some of them, their purpose is something else. They're not for us to eat, yeah. which goes into the clean and the unclean. Yep, yep that's right. I've seen a great illustration where someone took a, an aquarium and they put muscles in one side and no muscles in the other, and they show it's like the same water, and the muscles are cleaning the water, and the water with the muscles is clean, and the water that doesn't have the muscles is dirty. 
And we, when we look at things like the Gulf of Mexico, and why is the Gulf of Mexico so dirty and nasty? Well, they have overfished the shrimp and the clams and the oysters, all these things we're not supposed to eat. They've overfished it so much that all the things that, were, that, that, that Yahweh put in there to clean the ocean, we decided we needed it and we've removed all the cleaners. And, uh, you know, no one ever talks about that in environmental, environmentalism, but, uh, but I think it's, it's worth mentioning. Yeah. And it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. It's kind of an evolutionary uh, mindset because we're the top of the food chain, so anything below us we can eat. And it's like, no, that's not how God set it up. He didn't set us at the top of a food chain. There's, that's not the food chain. It's, he has animals for certain purposes. Some of them we can eat, some of them we can't. That's right, and it's established at creation. So yeah. we'll uh, go look at Leviticus now. And so I don't know if, we're, if you want to read all of Leviticus 11 or just pick some things out of here. I think we could probably just pick some things out. Yeah, yeah. Just to, so, to show that, you know, that this, these are unclean and these are clean. Yeah, so for instance, in, in verse 3 there, 3.11, it uh, talks about, or 11.3, talks about uh, the, the cloven hoof and choose the cud. Uh, and, you know, we know we can eat those things. And so, um, and, it, and it goes on and it, it's very specific about uh, the things of, uh, that are clean and unclean. Right, and number four is good too. Uh, you shall not eat them that chew the cud, but don't divide the hoof. And then uh, animals that uh, divide the hoof but don't chew the cud are unclean also. Yeah. yeah. And then in verse five, we see that God doesn't like Sonic Drive then because he says we can't have conies. That's right. <laughs> That's That's right. right. No, no conies. Very good. Very good. Um. And definitely no swine here. So, yep. and then it goes on to specify the fish. You know, it's got to have uh, fins and scales. And um, yeah, this one here, uh, verse eleven, is even interesting. It's uh, they're an abomination. Uh, even their carcasses are an abomination to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I'm I'm from the south. You guys are too, I believe. Yeah. Y'all know, y'all know full well that lard is like our butter. You know, <laughs> yeah. you, you, if you go to any kind of like southern kitchen, that's what they're using for butter. They're using they're using pig carcass, you know, the, the pig fat. Yeah. And um, yeah, and here it says, no, you're not you're not supposed to touch that stuff. Yeah, yeah, not even touch it. Yeah, the, the abomination's a pretty big word. You don't just throw that around. Yeah. Right. And, and it's interesting because that's the same descriptor that he has for things like homosexuality. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, uh, that people will jump on and, and say, hey, you're not supposed to do this. It's an abomination. Well, right. You're not supposed to eat pig. It's an abomination. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, with the with the birds here, you know, it's, it's pretty much the predator kind of birds, the predator birds mm -hmm. and uh, the scavenger kind of birds. And, um, you know, those are the ones uh, that he lists out to, to not eat. Um, and it, and it makes sense. He made these birds to go clean up the mess, you know, because, you know, they're the sanitation department. They're doing uh, their, you know, in, in science we would call it their niche or their role or job, you know, and that's, that's what they do. That's what he made them to do this. And it's a perfect yeah. system because he made it. Agreed. I would, I, I would point out, too, because we were having that discussion the other day as well, because apparently chickens yeah. um, have a very wide 
range of what they will eat too, and they can kind of seem similar to some of these that aren't un, that, that aren't clean. Right. And it goes into while we can kind of see some themes in them, it doesn't necessarily mean that that is the theme. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because like goats, you know, how many times in cartoons growing up were goats eating a chewing on a tin can? <laughs> you right. know. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a not necessarily what they eat, but what their function is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think too it, it's how they eat. Like uh, uh, some of the uh, birds that you can eat have like a, a gizzard and a crop and that kind of thing, and the other kinds don't really have that. And it's it's yeah. it's a way of chewing the cud basically for them. Yeah. yeah, and it's also an interesting metaphor for us. You know, I think maybe if you'd, you'd say on the, the sowed level of the scripture, you know, a deeper meaning of it, you know, would be these animals chew on the teachings, if you will. They just don't, um, they just don't hear something and uh, accept it. You know, they, they think about it. They chew on it. They, they, they process it. And, and that's how he wants us to be. He wants us to be thinking about things and uh, conscious of the the things that we do um, and, and methodical about what we do, just like these critters are. You know, if you watch a cow eat, a sheep eat, you know, they're very methodical and they eat a little bit and then they got to sit down and chew on this for a minute and, and, uh, and process it and then they get up and go again. Whereas, you know, the pig and, and dogs and other animals, they just, I mean, they Scarf just, yeah, instantly. And then it's, and then it's over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a way different even style of how they eat. Yeah, and, you know, using that too, I mean, not all of them, but, you know, things like cows, that bit that they're chewing, you know, it stays with them longer as well. You yeah. know, and to your point of the, you know, thinking it's not, it's just, you know, they have it and then it's gone. Nope, know, so we're, it's, we're, we're losing you again. I think we'll just do our little <laughs> trick and just, uh, so hang on, we'll, okay. uh, we'll just call you again. You want to call out a time on there? I don't know. That one lasted longer. Yeah. I mean, for when we okay. start, when you put it together. Okay, perfect. Uh, oh, yeah, so I'm at 20, basically 30 minutes in. So Okay. okay. Um, good. We'll move on to the next uh, next piece of this. And so it's going on, um, looking at Noah, uh, continuing to describe more of... Um, the things uh, to eat and not eat. In 11, you see abomination again. and um, This looks like a... Uh, it's on 10. It's, you know, this muscles. This is a duplicate. And, and, oh, it is a duplicate. It is, yep. Yeah. There we go. There 20. So, um, all fowls that creep going on all fours shall be an abomination to you. Yep. This verse 22, I think it's... Uh, gets twisted a little bit sometimes like even in this translation they say the locust and the beetle and the grasshopper Mm -hmm. that word beetle is uh, generally more something like something similar to a grasshopper is what it's talking about yeah yeah and that's or it's important to not just rely on one translation but to go and compare others and also look into the original words right yeah yeah and this one, you know, is, mentions this a couple of times here about not touching the carcasses of these unclean, and you'll be un- unclean till evening. And uh, just kind of says um, some of the same same kind of things. Yeah. Well, notice too on, on that it's not 
if you eat it, you're unclean until evening. It's always touching the carcass because farmers, you're going to, I mean, again, they have purposes. So you're going to have pigs on your farm for a purpose, and sometimes they're going to die. You're going to have to mess with it. So, yeah, yeah you're going you're gonna to have to touch a carcass, not yeah. to cook it, but you're going to touch it to, you know, dispose of it properly. Yeah, and that brings up a good point. A lot of people don't understand that there's provision in the Torah for mistakes, for, for things that happen. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people that want to argue you shouldn't do this, they don't know and they don't understand that uh, that he built provision in it from the beginning for for guilt. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a way to right. resolve this. Yep, it was built in. All right, and then going on uh, 29 through 35, um, and uh, 35 is interesting because basically. If, uh, if any part of a carcass falls, it sh the vessel should be unclean and they should be broken down. So, you know, if a piece of pottery is sitting out and uh, something happens here, you know, the whole vessel is unclean. Yep. Which and I think it's because of the pores and stuff whenever they heat up. I know we ourselves got a, uh, had a friend give us one of those stoneware baking things and mm -hmm. we know that they don't uh, follow the uh, the eating same eating methods that we do and they probably did cook some unclean animals in it and so oh. we had to get rid of it because it's like yeah this yeah. is first right here yeah yeah no that's good that's good yeah all right good all right anything else I think that was it on that one okay all right and then um, let's see. Oh, it's uh, like a dead animal on your seed or an unclean animal touching the uh, the seed kind of situation. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. if, yeah, if you're out in, the, out in the, if you have a garden outside and one of these animals dies on it, it's not making your food unclean, which goes back to kind of similar to what Mark 7, um, where, you know, Yeshua is talking with the Pharisees and they're like, because they didn't wash their hands, their food's unclean. You know, it's saying, no, your food's still fine. Mm -hmm. It's it's underground. It's still seed form. Don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and just the detail that's in here. I mean, he's, he's like, thought of every everything. Every, everything yep. has been accounted for. So Yeah, it's like, so here in 37, it's if the seed hasn't started growing yet, it'll stay clean. But if it has started growing, it... Uh, well, I'm basing that off of water being put on the seed, and now the carcass falls on it. Now it's unclean. Right. Mm -hmm. So that makes you think about uh, a lot of the fertilizers and stuff that are like uh, mm. fish meal from like uh, mm. unclean fish and stuff like that. Might be great for yeah. your garden, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. no, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. And I know last uh, Sabbath at our, our fellowship, we were talking about uh, you know, somebody was using, um, you know, manure from unclean animals. And they're like, you know, it, it works really well. It's like, well, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it doesn't talk about that specifically here. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, and, and you don't always know, especially if you buy manure, it, you know, it, it would be hard to know. Uh, what what uh, what animal produced it? But definitely something interesting and something you got to research and study on your own. And and yep. I don't think you can enforce that on someone else. But if you're convicted of one way or the other, then you should you should follow that. 
Oh, totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. And I think where we get in trouble sometimes, we, you know, people want to enforce something on someone else that maybe maybe is not there, or or not solid. Yeah. Um, it goes on in basically 44 through 30, 47 here. But in 47, I want to point out, it says to make a difference between the unclean and clean, between the beast that may be eaten and the beast that may not be eaten. So, you know, he's, he's very clearly, just in case you didn't get it, that, you know, yeah. this, that's what this is about, what you can eat and what you can't eat. And then also in verse 45, this is real important, I think, at least it was for me, uh, we, we like to look at the New Testament and see where... Uh, Messiah says, be holy for I am holy, and, uh, you know, talks about Yahweh saying that. He's quoting from places like this. He's talking about clean and unclean laws, and then he says in verse 45, be holy for I am holy. Yeah, yeah. It's a way to be set apart. Yep. 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 Very good. Well, and you pointing this one out, too, reminded me of uh, Ezekiel twenty-two twenty-six, where, um, you know, a, a prophetic passage saying uh, her priests have done violence to my law and profane my holy things they have made no distinction between the holy and the profane right they have not taught the difference between the unclean and the clean exactly so that right there it's like it's it's important to them <laughs> no right. yeah absolutely you know it's one of those things too it, it's almost like uh, that scripture where it talks about if uh, if you've been entrusted with a with a little um, and, you know, it's just that concept of, and, and it's, a, it's a life principle, too, that we live by that, you know, if, if I can't trust you with this little thing, well, why am I going to be able to trust you with this bigger issue? And, 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 exactly. and, and it's interesting that, uh, you know, the first food rule ever given to mankind, you know, the first rule is food. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and yet people act like it's so, such a big deal that, that there might be more food rules, but, uh. But it is interesting when you when you put it in that perspective. But, I agree. But just like Jake said, it's about being holy and set apart people. And so, and then we move on to Deuteronomy 14. Um, and so he uh, lays out some things. Um, so he, he re- repeats a bunch of the same things here. I think it's important to uh, point out, Jake, why don't you read like three through seven there. All right. Never eat anything that is disgusting to Yahweh. Here are the kinds of animals you may eat. Oxen, sheep, goats, deer, gazelles, fallow deer, wild goats, mountain goats, antelope, and mountain sheep. You may eat all animals that have completely divided hooves and that also chew their cud. But some animals chew their cud while others have completely divided hooves. You may not eat these kinds of animals. They include camels, rabbits, and rock badgers. I mean, which of us, who of us can say they haven't eaten a rock badger? <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I don't even know what a rock badger is. <laughs> I think it's a marmot. <laughs> I think it's like a honey badger. A honey badger. Honey badger no, okay. don't care. Okay. Yeah. And then eight, also, you may not eat pigs. Oh, yeah, right out. Right out. <laughs> Never eat their meat or touch their dead body. So, I mean, it's just basically the same things that we've discussed there. Um, but, yep. yes, it's just clearly... Um, so clearly Noah knew these things. And so when Yahweh said, Hey, bring the clean animals, there's not a discussion where Noah's like, what, what do you mean yeah. clean? <laughs> right. It wasn't new you information. Yeah. And then, and that too, the, the part you brought out to the disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm calling it disgusting. Like 
you know, like, you know, those of us that have kids or can remember our childhood, there's things that we did as kids or we, our kids have done that are disgusting. And it's like, it appalls us. And that's the kind of relationship that we have with our father. There's things that we do that appalls us. And he's like, you know, please don't do that. Yeah. Well, you know, that brings up a good point. Uh, today I was, uh, I was working on something and, and that's what I recorded and was just that concept that some people fight so much against Torah, and and then especially in this particular this week's Torah portion out of Deuteronomy, it, it's a, it's just this long list of all kinds of things, and and basically the Torah is your dad writing you this note and saying, hey, you know this these are words to live by, son. Don't do this. You know, little things like your dad would tell you, don't marry a horse, son. You know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> pick a job that you like. You know, and and um. You know, and there are natural consequences, you know, to um, to us when we didn't do what our dad asked us to do. You know, if we didn't listen to that the advice, usually there it it it, uh, it it ended up with some consequences. We we initially thought our dad was just stupid, but then later we experienced some consequences. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah. I think too much we look at it like uh, he set up a system, and we have to if we don't follow it, he's gonna club us, and it's. It's really he he set up a system so that the kind of the way I picture it is uh, he set it up to kind of run on its own so he he doesn't have to micromanage every little thing so he set it up to work a certain way and he's telling you how it works so you don't screw it up and hurt yourself yeah yep. yeah mostly for our advantage and right. it's it's a blessing to us. To, to do this and it makes yeah. our life so much easier. I was just going to say that it, I'm sorry, if it's like buying something for my kid. You get this piece of furniture that you got to put together. You got to follow the instructions so that you have this, you know, furniture put together correctly. <laughs> right. God has this, our instructions for having a life living, living out correctly. And, you know, in the church, we even call the, the Bible the instruction book. This is how we're to live. Except, you know, come up, you know, they, we've been taught to discount part of it. You know, imagine if you bought a shelf from Ikea and threw out the first two-thirds of the instructions and they tried to put the shelf together. Yeah, yeah, no telling what you make. May not, may not work. That's, that's a good point. Good. All right, so then we'll move on to a new one. And uh, th- this one is, um, this is about, it says... Um, it's, it's, so he uh, says, by, by no, no means, means. Yeah. come stay at my yeah. house. We will eat unleavened bread. And then yeah. the other people say... Oh, so this is Lot, isn't it? Yeah, this is Lot. This is the uh, where I'm pointing out that there's a there seems to be a correlation here between Passover uh, of the accounts of Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and then the Passover account. Um, because as we read, we can see, and I think I have that included in the... Um, the text there, but when we read the story of Abraham, um, whenever the men and, and God came to Abraham, he made them, um, the word for bread there, I believe is hamats, the, the, the mm-hmm. bread that has leavening in it, um, whereas Lot specifically, it's after mm-hmm. sundown, and we know it's after sundown now, and Lot's mm-hmm. like, hey, I'll give you unleavened bread, come in my house, which is two of the regulations for Passover. Unleavened bread and being in your house. Yeah, stay stay the night in the house there. Yeah, very yep. good. So here, so this account can be found in Genesis 19, and uh, there came two angels 
to Sodom at evening. And Lot said at the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground, and he said, Behold, now, my lords, turn, I pray, you into your servant's house, and tarry all night. Wash your feet, and you shall rise up early and go your way. And they say, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed them greatly, and they, they returned unto him and entered his house. And he made them eat a feast, and he did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Ding, ding, ding. Yep. So you're saying yeah, it even has the uh, wash your feet situation there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, good observation for sure. So um, definitely a reference to the law before the law. They knew uh, that Lot, you know, and, and that's interesting about Lot because it is easy, I think, for us to look at Lot and go, Lot, man, was he? what kind of guy was Lot? And it yeah. is really easy to be judgmental of Lot. But in the end, he was considered righteous enough that, uh, get that, that Yah there, saved yeah. him. And this is confirmation that Lot did some things right. Yeah, yeah. He may have not been living perfectly, but he was trying. Yeah, yeah. I think, too, it's uh, his connection with Abraham. Oh, yeah. Saved yeah. him also. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. I wouldn't say look at Lot and, you know, live like Lot. I don't think you're going to see that on many T-shirts. Um, yeah. <laughs> not, probably not the best way to be, but... Uh, um, but definitely he, he did some things right, and clearly this is one of the things they did right. It looks like he observed the feast, at least yeah. Passover. Yeah, and one and a verse I didn't include in the comic, I might have included it in the commentary, I don't know, but it's Revelation 11, 8, and it's, uh, And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. And another kind of connection to Passover, what does Sodom and Egypt have in common? Well, if we just read the stories mm, as yeah. you know, separate instances, there's nothing in common. But if this is a Passover event, that's what they have in common. Both both places were destroyed, you know, during during Passover. Yeah, that's a that's, that's a great observation. Yeah, and Revelation. I, yeah, say the address again. Uh, Revelation eleven eight. Nice. Okay, all right. So y'all look that up. Um, that's a good one. And then um, this goes on just to explain. Uh, does it say anything else about unleavened bread? It's just telling the story here, I think. Yeah, it's just telling the story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so. Yeah, sometimes I include the whole chapter because yeah. I want to. I want to make sure people are getting the context and not just saying, you know, just not cherry picking. That right? I'm not just cherry picking something to say, oh look, these match. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. Read the whole thing. Yeah, that's that, that's right. So, and I think we would all tell people, you know, um, read read it for yourself. You know, don't take our word for it. You, you go read. You read these passages and and, and see this. So, yep. um, you know, and that that's what he wants. He wants us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and he and to look into it. So, um, so this just goes on to continue to tell the story about Lot and. So, it, um, yeah, talks about... Um, yeah. And their escape from there, which again, going back to Passover, they escaped right after Passover. Right. So, another, another parallel. Uh, there in verse 22, hasty escape thither. I'm <laughs> yeah. Not, I'm not great at King James. <laughs> no, me neither. And, uh, and so, it definitely, uh, uh, there's definitely parallels. And I think that's an interesting point to make. When we look at uh, Scripture, um, start looking for um, commonalities. And 
and the Passover, you can see, you know, there's always some, um, in both, especially in both of these stories, there's a destroying angel, if you will, going, uh, going around kicking butt and taking names. And, and then, um, and, there, and there was a way out, and there were rules to follow. And if you didn't follow these rules, well, there were bad, terrible consequences <laughs> to this. And, and then even at Shavuot, you see the same kind of principle. You know, Shavuot, there's always fire. There's, uh, mm -hmm. the, there's uh, sometimes the number 3,000 speaking languages. And so there, there are multiple places. Once you start seeing these, you, you know, you, the more you go through Torah, the more you're able to go, hey, wait, that looks like this. And, yep. uh, and it does help you kind of connect the dots and maybe see things you didn't see before. Right, you pick out the patterns because the word rhymes, basically. Yes, yep. yes, it does. Agreed. And then I think I think too on on uh, this one, uh, another connection would be that as when they exodus from Sodom and Gomorrah, he has a place for them in the wilderness, but they want to go back to the city. Mm. So, yeah, it's similar to uh, when the Israelites come out; they want to go back to the city, whereas. He's sending them into the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good. That's good too, because that is another parallel. Yeah. yeah. He grants Lot that, but he doesn't grant the Israelites that. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe because of Lot. May, maybe so. <laughs> maybe. maybe so. What? What? Do some bad things happen here, uh, and we want you to read about them if you don't know them. And then also um, Exodus twelve. This will take us outside uh, to to. Uh, outside the page and I may or may not be recording um, but I can figure this out later perfect so Exodus 12 is just giving you the specifics of the Passover and about um, so so Jake once you read that all there. right Yahweh said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt this month will be the very first month of the year for you tell the whole community of Israel on the 10th day of this month each man must take a lamb or a young goat for his family one animal per household. A household may be too small to eat a whole animal. That household and one next door can share one animal. Choose your animal based on the number of people and what each person can eat. Your animal must be a one-year-old male that has no defects. You may choose a lamb or a young goat. Take care of it until the 14th day of this month. And go ahead and read to there. All right. Then at dusk, all the assembled people from the community of Israel must slaughter their animals. They must take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they will eat the animals. The meat must be eaten that same night. It must be roasted over a fire and eaten with bitter herbs and unleavened bread. There you go. All right, so hopefully we can get back to here. There we go. Beautiful. Okay. And then Leviticus 23, 4-8. Joshua, would you read this? Okay. Uh, the following are always appointed festivals with holy assemblies, which you must announce at their appointed times. The 14th day of the first month in the evening in is Yahweh's Passover. The 15th day of the same uh, same month is Yahweh's festival of unleavened bread. For seven days you must eat unleavened bread. On the first day there will be a holy assembly. Don't do any regular work. Bring Yahweh a sacrifice by fire for seven days. On the seventh day there will be a holy assembly. Do not do any regular work. There you go. So... I think we covered all the scriptures that go with yep. Lot there. And then this one is uh, in the way of women, which yep. I know nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. 
So, and it's the story where uh, Rachel wouldn't get up um, because she was sitting on some idols. And so, if you don't know that story, go uh, go go look that up. And we're gonna we're gonna look at some of the scriptures in um, Genesis thirty one thirty four. It says Rachel had taken idols and had put them in her camel saddlebag and was sitting on them. And Laban rummaged through the whole tent but found nothing. Rachel said to her father, "Don't be angry, father." But I can't get up to greet you. I'm having my period. So even though Laban had made a thorough search, he didn't find the idols. So, just like any good man, if a woman says that to you, you're not asking any more questions. You're done. <laughs> so, you, you, you know, there's no, there's no discussion needed at this point. Like, okay, I'm moving on. Yeah. And, and I point out this one, especially with the law, and I know we'll get to that in a second, but because there's a scripture later on, and I don't remember where it, um, where it talks about it, but God talks against um, having, having relations with a woman while she's on her period yeah. and how that's something that he, that he doesn't like either. And so it's, if God's saying it, it's not because no one's not ever done it. It's because people are doing it. He's like, don't, don't do that. Yeah. And so, so, yeah, so Laban, we can't assume that Laban just, didn't want to um, touch touch you know what Rachel is sitting on because men are grossed out by it um, by a woman on her period. God warns against that that uh, some men aren't necessarily grossed out about it and they shouldn't have um, relations with a woman on there. So we can't assume that Laban is just giving her her privacy because all men are like that. It's we have to assume that because there's a commandment the that Laban's actually following this commandment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that's a Again, that's an excellent point. Going back to letting the Bible interpret the Bible. Yep, yep. Very good. However, Laban didn't seem too keen on the idol part, the idol worship part of the Bible. True, yeah. but um, it goes back to I mean, some things that people are holding. I mean, look at the Pharisees. There's some things that they held that they were doing right, but there was a lot of stuff that they were holding in place of. Right um, against what God says, and you know, and and Yeshua calls them out on it. Yeah, and it's not. We can't assume everybody's doing everything right all the time. Some people are going to do some of it right, some of and and other things are going to not do right. And then let's talk about this scripture. You know that this 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 one brings up the scripture you're talking about in Leviticus fifteen nineteen nineteen through twenty eight. It it lays out very specifically that. Um, that uh, when a, that a woman has her monthly period, she'll be unclean for seven days. And if you touch her, you're going to be unclean till evening. And anything that she lies down or she sits on will be unclean. Even her bed or clothes, you got to wash your bodies, and you're unclean till evening. Um, and then it goes on to talk about um, in 24, if a man has sexual intercourse with her while she's on his period, he will be unclean for seven days. Any bed he lies on will become unclean. So that was the the yeah. part there you were talking about. So yeah, it's like he uh, he puts the guilt onto himself. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah. the uh, you have the same the same punishment as the original crime, basically mm -hmm. that, that kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So so there. So that is uh, the background of knowing why. Um, she she could say what she said, and she understood this. This was this was practiced, or she wouldn't have known this information. Oh, just to just to clarify 
I'm not saying that being on your period makes you guilty of a crime. Yes, that's what to clarify. <laughs> just, just got to clarify yeah, things like yeah. that because there's yeah. people and say I things. I think it goes well, too. I mean, it's, again, it's, a, it's not saying, you know, it's not saying anything bad. It's saying they're unclean. I mean, we're, we're, none of us are women. Uh, I think all of us are married, and we're sure to talk to our wives about it. I mean, that's a, that's a, a time that they're they're not feeling great, for one. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, it's kind of like the purification after childbirth. I think that was... Um, yeah, come up recently with uh, I don't know if it was a tour portion or something recently or just something we were we were digging through here at home, but um, the same sort of thing where it's there's so many days after childbirth and you know and talking to my wife after you know the kids we've had she's like yeah it's like I, I don't want to be touched or anything by anybody you know except my child you know for for you know those periods of time and it's like it makes sense and this is we had our children pre-tour and so you know looking back on it and seeing she's like yeah i can i can see that 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 those were those were times where i needed to be left alone yeah 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 definitely so protection for the woman as much as anything yeah yeah, yeah. definitely and uh and, and many uh, many men have learned uh lessons the hard way on some of these things <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but but Torah uh, laid it out uh, for us to follow, and then here we go. We've got another one, um, and so what is this one with Tamar? So yeah, Tamar and and Judah. So uh, Judah got Tamar for his first son Ur um, as as a wife to her, and this one, uh, the other ones, uh, I feel like you know somebody might. Um, you know, argue with and saying you're, you're jumping to conclusions or you're, you're assuming things. This one, especially whenever we get to read it, how it's worded and how Judah puts it, you can't say that's not the law that was given at Mount Sinai. Um, because he's, Ur, Ur, Ur was killed by God. Um, and then Onan, Judah says, hey, go and perform your brother-in-law duties and produce offspring for your brother and that's that's a what many scriptures call the the levitical marriage yeah yeah so is what the subtitle is so let's look at this uh, genesis 38 yeah. and uh, read read whatever you want to read out of here joshua yeah so starting in verse six judah chose a wife for his firstborn son Ur. her name was tamar um, or angered yahweh so yahweh took his life then judah said to onan go sleep with your brother's widow do your duty as her brother-in-law and produce a descendant for your brother. So that, that was the point there that um, I'm trying to trying to bring out in the comic of Onan was supposed to go and produce offspring. Mm -hmm. Onan didn't. Um, and then later on, whenever it comes to um, Sheila, and I'm trying to find that real quick. Um, uh, verse 12 there, maybe? Yeah, after a long time, Judah's wife, the daughter of Shua, died. When Judah had finished mourning, he and his friend, um, I'm sorry, I'm trying to read it. He and his friend Hira from Adullam went to Timnah, where the men were sharing Judah's sheep. As soon as Tamar told her, was told her father-in-law was on the way to, to Timnah to share his sheep, she took off her widow's clothes, covered her face with a veil. No, that wasn't the part, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, it, no, no, you're, oh, you're fine. It's the part, oh, it's 11. 
Uh, then Judah said to his daughter-in-law, Tamar, return to your father's home and live as a widow until my son Shelah grows up. He thought his son might, she might die like his brothers, so Tamar went to live to his father's home. So here we have a third brother, um, because Onan was killed too, and he's like, hey, wait, you'll get Shelah, but go live as a widow for a bit, because he was actually not ever intending to give Shelah over, but again, following that line of, the the brother must produce a a offspring mm-hmm. for the other the brother that died. Right. So we're seeing it go down the line, which again goes back to the story the Sadducees threw at Yeshua of a woman, you know, married husbands, each of them died before giving a, a offspring. Which one is the um, husband in in you know the afterlife? Same. It's the same thing. I mean, we can again letting scripture interpret scripture. We know that those seven husbands this wife had um, or this woman had were brothers and they're performing this you know this commandment right here right yeah yeah no that's good good observation for sure so yeah very clear that um, that, that they knew exactly what they were supposed to do and, and for whatever reason he was not willing to share his inheritance so share share this with her he and, and, it, and I'm sure it came down to greed don't you think that he just mm-hmm. was trying to have more money, basically, not having to share? Probably. Yeah. Um, and then what I find interesting on, on her, their story, too, um, and I believe, no, it's not on this page, um, but it's near the end of it, uh, of the uh, of chapter 38. Nope, that's no, wrong. No, you don't have it on there. But it's uh, something along the lines of Judah, um, whatever he finds out that Tamar had... Um, used him to perform that uh, ritual or that commandment if you will mm-hmm. um, he calls her more righteous than he is yeah yeah so. yeah that is interesting so and it's a fan fantastic story for sure so you know it's definitely not um, not not a, not your g-rated story but no. uh, <laughs> but you know what I always tell people on this one is basically you know she takes his car keys and his wallet and um, mm-hmm. and keeps them, and then later is like, oh yeah, are you missing these? You need these? Because <laughs> yeah. you know he, he immediately he knew that uh, those he didn't have those things because he carried these things with him everywhere he went, and he was had. Yeah, yeah. And they identified his power and his authority, and uh, he gave gave all that to her. And uh, just a, it's a crazy story for sure. But good. And then Deuteronomy uh, 25, 5 through 10 also talks about basically confirming the exact same thing, uh, the same thing about having your duty as a brother-in-law. Yep. Yeah, verse 5, when brothers live together and one of them dies without having a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother must marry her and sleep with her. He must do his duty as her brother-in-law, almost word for word as um, what Judah told um, Onan. Yeah. On the, he must do his duty as her brother-in-law. Right, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then even kind of quotes where, um, it's kind of interesting here, but if a man doesn't want to marry his brother's widow, she must go to the leaders of the city at the city gate. She must say, my brother-in-law refuses to let his brother's name continue in Israel. He doesn't want to do his duty as my brother-in-law. Then the leaders of the city must summon him, talk to him. If he persists in saying that he doesn't want to marry her, 
his brother's widow must go upon go go to him to the presence of the leaders and she must take off one of his sandals and spit in his face and then she must make this formal statement this is what happens to a man who refuses to continue his brother's family line then in Israel his family will be called the family of the man without a sandal that sounds like a good uh, movie title yes <laughs> And so, yeah, definitely some things are lost in translation because it's like the family of a man without a sandal. We're like, okay. Yeah. So, but when you think about a sandal covenant and the sandal was the marker for your property, maybe it, and maybe it affected your ability to go into land agreements and buy land or something. If you couldn't go into a sandal covenant, if you couldn't lay a sandal down. Uh, or or you had this reputation and people are like, oh, I don't want anything to do with you. I, I would imagine there's something like that to it. Could be, could be. But and then in Tamar's story, does it does it kind of imply that she went to um, went to the leaders of the city? But yeah, did you have that pulled up about Tamar? Yes, and. Uh... There it says, after three months later, in verse 24, Judah was told, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, has been immoral. Moreover, she's pregnant by immorality. And Judah said, bring her out and let her be burned. And she was brought out, and she sent word to her father-in-law by the man who, whom these belong. I am pregnant. And she said, please identify who these are, the signet and the cord and the staff. And then Judah identified them and said, she is more righteous than I, since, she did, since I did not give her my son, uh, Sheila. Mm-hmm. So yeah. no, it doesn't mention that uh, she was in front of um, the elders of the city, but um, you know Judah. I think it's to say he, he was probably a leader of the city. So yeah, it's just yeah. kind of interesting. It's almost like it did probably get followed to the T, really. To me, this so. almost uh, kind of mirrors the Judas story, where uh, the person in charge refuses to make the proper amends and so he goes and takes matters into his own hands and that's what Tamar mm. does yes yes yeah so Jake uh, actually it was, was it Julia that said that so uh, uh, she's she, in, in, uh, in one of our Shabbat she was talking about Judas that way and I hadn't thought about that before that um, right because the the penalty is supposed to if you bear false witness then the charges you get whatever the other person what you accuse them of would have gotten and for judas it would have been death would have been the penalty so, so didn't mean to throw that curveball <laughs> yeah. at you but <laughs> but but i thought that was a pretty interesting concept and you no, know that is yeah because because people often debate is judas saved or not and and Jake and I did a thing about that recently, and you know we're, we we definitely well, I guess it was like two years ago, but uh, we definitely came to the conclusion that uh, it's it, it's a it's a real possibility that uh, that he's saved, and we have to acknowledge that. And I think um, that at people least it's a possibility, that, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting. Sorry to rabbit trail, but yeah. we, we tend to no, do no, that. You're, no, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> so, and then we've got uh, clearly Joseph, and so Joseph with. Uh, with a cougar, and uh, so if you don't know about the Joseph Cougar story, Joseph um, Cougar Mellencamp. Yes, Joseph. Yeah, uh, yeah, very good. So, um, so we'll take a look at this story, and uh, and so we'll take a look at how did he know the law before the law, or what was the law? So, 
Um, Joshua, will you read this one for us? Yeah. So uh, Genesis 39, starting in verse 7, After a while his master's wife began to desire Joseph, so she said, Come to bed with me. But Joseph refused and said to her, My master doesn't concern himself with anyone in the house. He trusts me with everything he owns. No one in this house is greater than I. He's kept nothing back from me except you because you're his wife. How can I do such a wicked thing and sin against Elohim? So he's not worried about doing, he, he's worried about sinning against God. Is, is, that's that's the, the crux of his statement there. How do we know this is a sin against God? Hmm. Yeah. Without the law. <laughs> yeah, that's that's good. How would he know? And he, you know, this is a, Another story in Genesis, well before the Mount Sinai. And then in Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, 14, I've repeated it for some reason, uh, (laughs) never commit adultery. I guess emphasis added. (laughs) Never, never commit adultery. (laughs) And then I think of what I meant to, it seems like there's a Deuteronomy, it's just my mistake. um, It seems like the... Leviticus. Leviticus 18.20. Leviticus 18.20 says the same thing. And you thing. shall not lie sexually with your neighbor's wife, and so make yourself unclean with her. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So. So, um, he, he, so clearly, the, this is another incident, instance of the law before the law. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Now, again, another pretty clear-cut one, just like the Judah and Tamar one. Yeah. Yeah. Very clear. Very clear. And one that... You know, um, when you don't really think much, too much about, you know, um, and definitely no one ever explained any of that to me when I was a kid. When you when you learn the story of Joseph. All right. Yeah. Yep. And then we've got another one. Um, this one is, um, what's this one about drinking the, this thing? The jealous husband. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, this one's not. Many people probably don't catch it because it happens in Exodus, and so you think, oh, the law is already being given. Well, some of it has, not all of it, because the the law of the jealous husband is not actually given until Numbers 5. But this account happens in Exodus 32. And, uh, you know, and I feel like this is one of the most important concepts for someone to understand. And once you understand this, uh, scripture opens up and and you see things because then then you can truly understand why Yeshua, one of the big reasons Yeshua has to die on the cross is because he takes this curse of the bitter waters uh, or the jealous husband upon himself and and the curse that we are all get very much guilty of and the whole world mm-hmm. is guilty of and mm-hmm. um, and he took that and and I think when he prays may this cup pass before me he's talking about this cup. Of bitter waters, and and uh, yeah. you know, no one ever explained that to me. I'm like, you know, I'm thinking he's drinking from the cup of wrath, and and I guess maybe metaphorically you can say that, but but I think literally he it was because he's drinking the the cup of bitter waters. That's why he says that. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, I definitely agree with that, and and because he knows we're guilty. I mean, so he knows what's going to happen. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it is uh, no no doubt. In his mind, so um, the golden calf. I think we should read this one because it is so so crucial, and and, and so um, I'll read till verse seven here. So and this is Genesis thirty-two. When the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said to him, "We don't know what's happened to this Moses who led us out of Egypt. Make gods who will lead us." 
And Aaron said to them, Have your wives, sons, and daughters take off their gold earrings they are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their gold earrings and handed them to Aaron. After he had worked on the gold with a tool, he made it into a statue of a calf. Then they said, Israel, here are your gods who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and announced, Tomorrow there will be a festival in Yahweh's honor. Early the next morning, the people uh, sacrificed burnt offerings and brought fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to a feast, which turned into an orgy. Yahweh said to Moses, Go back down there. Your people whom you brought out of Egypt have ruined everything. They've already turned away from what I've commanded them to live, and they've made a statue of a calf for themselves. They've bowed down to it and offered sacrifices. They've said, Israel, here are your gods who brought you out of Egypt. Yahweh added, I've seen these people, and they are impossible to deal with. Now leave me alone. I'm so angry with them, I'm going to destroy them. Then I'll make you into a great nation. But Moses pleaded with Yahweh, his Elohim, Yahweh, he said, Why are you so angry with your people whom you brought out of Egypt, using your great power and mighty hand? Don't let the Egyptians say, He was planning all along to kill them in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth. That's why he brought them out of, the, out of our land. Don't be so angry. Reconsider your decision to bring this disaster on your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You took an oath, swearing on yourself. You told them, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. I will, give you your, I will give to your descendants all the land I spoke of. It will be their permanent possession. So Yahweh reconsidered his threat to destroy his people. Moses turned and went down the mountain carrying the two tablets of God's work. Words, they were written on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of Elohim, and the writing was Elohim's writing inscribed on the tablets. Then Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting. He said to Moses, it's the sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It's not the sound of winners shouting. It's not the sound of losers crying. It's the sound of a wild celebration that I hear. Uh, when he came near the camp, he saw the calf and the dancing. In a burst of anger, Moses threw down the tablets and smashed them at the foot of the mountain. Then he took the calf they had made, burned it, ground it into powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. Moses asked Aaron, What did these people do to you that you encouraged them to commit such a serious sin? Don't be angry, sir, answered Aaron answered. You know these people are evil. They said to me, We don't know what's happened to this Moses who brought us out of Egypt. Make gods for us. They will lead us. So I told them, Take off the gold they were wearing, and they gave it to me. I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. Aaron had led the people had let the people gather control, and they became an object of ridicule to their enemies. When Moses saw this, he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, "If you're on Yahweh's side, come over here to me." And then all the Levites gathered around him. And uh, then, and then twenty, which actually is like a scene from the Alamo with John Wayne. <laughs> Um, then he said to him, them, This is what Elohim of Israel says, Each of you put on your sword, go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other, kill all your relatives, friends, and neighbors. They did what Moses told them, and that day about 3,000 people died. So, how does he know who's guilty? Yep. And that goes into the, the, the law. If, we, if we're able to if we pull up the numbers account and see what happens... Whenever you drink the bitter waters, um, your thigh wastes away and your abdomen expands. Uh, well, if your thigh is wasting away, you're not running nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you know? They weren't running away. 
Yep. First, Numbers 5, 11 through 31. And um, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the people of Israel. If any man's wife goes astray and breaks faith with him, if a man lies with her sexually and is hidden from the eyes of her husband and she is undetected, though she has defiled herself and there is no witness against her since she has not taken an act, and if the spirit of jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his wife who has defiled herself, or if the spirit of jealousy comes over him and he is jealous of his wife, though she has not defiled herself, then the man shall bring his wife to the priest and bring offering required of her a tenth of an ephah of barley flour. He shall pour no oil on it and put no frankincense on it, for it is a grain offering of jealousy, a grain offering of remembrance, bringing iniquity through remembrance. And here's where it gets into the water. In verse 16, and the priest shall bring her near and set her before the Lord. And the priest shall take holy water in an earthen vessel and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the tabernacle and put it into the water. The priest shall set the woman before the Lord and unbind her hair of the woman's head and place it in her hands, the grain offering of remembrance, which is the grain offering of jealousy in his hand, the priest. Then the priest will say to her, if no other man has had sexual intercourse with you and you haven't been unfaithful to your husband, you're not guilty. This bitter water that can bring a curse will not harm you if, in fact, you have been unfaithful and have had sexual intercourse with another man. May Yahweh make you an example for your people to see what happens when the curse of the oath comes true. Yahweh will make your uterus drop and your stomach swell. That sounds like a terrible thing. Yeah, which that one is interesting because it says uterus. Um, other translations say your thigh fall away right. and, your, and your stomach swell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is the nog. And so it is, as you, if you've ever looked Take at it before. Liberties. Yeah, it's not always, yeah. always perfect. But I think the thigh rotting away. I think the nog just did this because it's a woman. And, um, yeah. But, uh, but definitely. But yeah, so... But when it comes to them running through and killing the 3,000, well, again, if their thigh fell away because they drank the bitter waters, yeah, they're not, they're not able to run off. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. They, they, they um, have clearly uh, been found out. And don't you know, they, um, they're like, what is happening to me? Because, uh, you know, this is a mixed multitude, and how many of them knew all of this? I don't know how many of them... I'm knew the consequence, but uh, but they uh, the, but but definitely there were people in this group that knew for sure, and they're watching from a distance, you know, watch, yeah. watching this stuff go down. Like, oh no. Yeah, no, I agree. There's always a remnant, but yeah. I always look at too that you know Mount Sinai and all that is a as a reteaching because many of many of the people had forgotten. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I, I think that's a, a very important thing to remember and understand that uh, that you know uh, many of them did um, you know they started off there with Joseph and, and Joseph was uh, was knew about the commandments and the things that uh, pleased the father and um, and at some point a lot of this stuff just got lost they got fat and happy in Egypt you know they're the the lap of luxury in in the known world at the time and their life was was pretty cush you know in a lot of ways it's a lot like what we live like and and um they had a had it pretty easy in in some aspects yes they were slaves at some point but it took a while to get there and uh, they got very acclimated in that culture that they were surrounded with that's why later they're always like i wish we could go back right yep so anyway great 
great. That's great. And so that is why you uh, came up with the law before the law, as you started. So, so you started seeing these things and uh, came up with this. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about the law before the law? How you came about? Um, yeah, it was just that. It was just in my studies, and and again. Like y'all were pointing out earlier, if we don't know the law, we don't see these things when we read these stories. We just read them and, and kind of brush them off. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't know why God's telling me this. But if we familiarize ourselves with the law, we can see that it's throughout Scripture. People are doing it or not doing it, and that's why it's being brought up is because God has a set standard. This is, this is what your function is as a human being. Um, was Ecclesiastes... Um, 317 317 um, for this is a whole duty of man um, obey God's commandments yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole duty of man and so it's, it's, that's, that's our purpose in life is this isn't just a suggestion guide this is what we're supposed to do and whenever we look at it that way we can then see in these stories before the law was ever given that either man doing it or man failing at it mm-hmm. yeah yeah yeah, for sure. No, that's that's really good. I, and I so appreciate that you thought that way and and that you continue to 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 make these comics and we ask that people uh, follow you on your socials and go buy one of these books and uh, bring it in and it's a, the, there's some great resources and once again you just you just wrote a new book and what's the name of the book again? The new one is I cannot keep the law. Um not crossed out but, you know, you can't always cross out things when you're searching, so it is that I cannot keep the law. But yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Cannot keep the law by Joshua Myers, and so they can buy it on. Where all do you sell it? That's on Amazon because I'm self-publishing right now, so they're they're the ones publishing it for me. But okay, yeah. So, so yeah. and um, we, well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us, and we look forward to further discussions and. And, and maybe more law before the law. And who knows, there may be a few other things that you, uh, that you find and, and make cartoons about. Are, are there any, is there any particular piece of your current cartooning that we should know about or point people towards? Um, the, the thing that I've had done going on recently that I really enjoy is um, I've, I've titled them in the background WWJD, but they're... Um, kind of a it's it's the mainstream christian jesus um who who i've drawn to look like you know how we always see him um i call him um affectionately mullet jesus um and and yeshua and kind of the differences between them and i always have uh mj coming out with hey kids and giving honestly really bad advice but <laughs> if it was advice that i mean it, but it makes sense theologically with what we're we've been taught in church and then Yeshua in the background, you know, saying, no, that's not what I teach. No, that's not what how, how this works or, you know, whatever. And so I've been really having fun with that. I've done, I don't know, two or three of those. And so I'm hoping to, I'm hoping I get some more of those out. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, the way I described that, uh, so you said, he, we'd say it again, you said he was mullet? Mullet Jesus. <laughs> mullet Jesus. I love a mullet. Um, that's funny. Um, well, one of the, the thing that I've always described it is I've said the barefoot uh, hippie Jesus, and so yeah. you, you know that that is that's like everything's everybody's loving, every, every peace, love, happiness, man. 
you know, and I think that's pretty much the the Jesus that uh, everybody believes in. And you know, th- there's there's a terrible movie that I'm very familiar with, and that's Talladega Nights. And uh, in mm. Talladega Nights, there's a famous scene where he prays to dear baby Jesus. And yep. uh, you know, the first time I saw that, I think uh, the people I was watching with they thought it was pretty sacrilegious. And and but I was actually like, wait a minute, he is. There's some theology here. And and that is true, you know. He's people, really nailing it. That's right. He nailed it. You know, people yeah. people are fine with the dear baby little Jesus in the manger, the little baby that can't do anything and is helpless. They're they're cool with that, but uh, you know the other parts of him, they're like, oh no, we don't want that. So, yep. so that's that's a good observation. I look forward to seeing those and and um, hearing more about it. So, anyway, uh, Jake. Do you have anything else to add? No, I just uh, really appreciate that you're coming on and uh, uh, the work that you're doing to kind of get these messages out there. And I, I like the creativity. Well, thank you. Thank yeah, you. that's uh, fantastic. Yeah, I enjoy doing them. So as long as other people are liking them, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> yep, yeah, we're happy to su- support your work and uh, promote your work. And so once again, if you don't know Joshua Myers, go follow him. Go check out some things uh, that he's done, and we've given you lots of links here and descriptions, and and um, buy his book, follow him on social media, and we appreciate your time. Joshua and Jake and I are going to continue to talk for just a minute, but uh, we're going to go ahead and sign off the podcast. This is Matt and Jake signing out, and Joshua <laughs> signing out, and Bye. we will we'll catch you later. <laughs>